Hello and welcome to the Small Button Podcast. I'm Hannah. I'm Finn. Welcome to episode one, Press Start to Begin. The perfect analogy for the start of the podcast. Episode one, we're going to talk about, you know, a nice introduction. It's our origin in gaming, so to speak. It's our origin story, both in gaming and in life. <laughs> it was a stormy day back in April. No, I'm going to go that far. <laughs> Yes, it was um, a stormy night. The rain was coming. <laughs> <laughs> we just yeah. start off by like introducing ourselves and like, who are you? Like, who the hell are you? Yeah, who am I? Well, my name's Hannah. I've been a gamer since um, pre-birth, which I'll explain in a bit. Pre-birth is is, is quite the uh, stake to claim there. <laughs> it will make sense, trust me. My name's Finn. I've been playing games since I was about. 13, 14, I think. Like, long term, I think. The first game I played was about 6, 7, I think. But it wasn't mine. It was my friend's uh, console at the time. And since then, I've been playing games. I've been on YouTube for five years. I started a new project on YouTube. And uh, we're starting this podcast together. Yeah, I mean, this is the first time I've ever done anything like this personally. Despite the years in gaming and the years of watching... Uh, various gaming content, but I thought, you know, maybe it'd be nice to get my own voice out there. Yeah, so this episode is going to be like a light chat for everyone, uh, to kind of like get to know each other, kind of like where we stand with our games, that sort of thing. Kind of like give you a little quick backstory of everybody, that sort of thing. Yeah, and perhaps a bit of a hint of what we'll be discussing in the future. Yeah. So I'll explain the um, my pre-birth <laughs> gaming explanation. Go ahead, go, go tell your pre-birth story. <laughs> okay, so my story in game begins um, essentially when just before my mother was about to give birth, my dad was playing Golden Axe. And, nice game. Yeah, it's a really fun game. And he just got to the final boss. You know, yeah. he was, um, of course, it's back before saves were a thing, so, you know, you had to do it then and there. Suddenly, my mum comes down and is like, oh, oh no, the baby's going to come out. That's sort of like, ugh. Yeah, does, it, does she need to be born now? It's like, yes. <laughs> um, so I prevented my dad from completing Golden Axe, and he never got back into gaming ever again. You stopped his gaming <laughs> from even before you were born. Yes, I prevented someone finishing their game. I mean, maybe could have paused it. I don't know. <laughs> but So this was Mega Drive, so there's not even saving. So he's, um, he's still a bit mad about it. Yeah. GoldenEye was the very first video game I ever played. Yeah. Um, it was my best friend at the time's console on the N64. And he was like, we're going to play GoldenEye. I'm like, oh my god, it's amazing. I love James Bond. And of course, he always had to play Bond. He wouldn't yeah. let me play Bond. So I had to go around as one of the other characters. I don't know if you've played GoldenEye uh, yeah, 64, but you have, yeah. If you're not playing Bond, uh, all the other characters don't have that many good benefits to playing them. Normally playing either Boris or Natalia or um, who else was on that oh, game? God. Odd job, yeah, but I could never get my, I could never get the hat to actually hit anything that wasn't a wall. The earliest memory I have from gaming is playing the multiplayer in Goldeneye and shooting at a wall to see if I could get through it. Right. Because that was that kind of kid. But yeah, so that was my earliest gaming memory. Um, and then I didn't own a console until I was like, I think I was like 13, 14. And we went on a holiday to uh, Skegness, Skeg Vegas, and they were selling these uh, blatant rip-offs of old Nintendo games that they called Intellivision. So it's not the same as what Americans would say was an Intellivision, but it basically they ripped a load of copies of the Nintendo, like old Jumpman and 
old Donkey Kong games and just reskin them and sell I'll them off totally as new games. That. So I played that. That was the first thing I owned. And then the first like proper console that I owned from that was the PlayStation 1. I got when I was 14 and yeah. it was a hand-me-down. The PlayStation 1 is probably my... It's the first console I personally played because while um, obviously like I interrupted the Mega Drive game... <laughs> <laughs> Um, you were playing. <laughs> I wasn't playing that technically, so um, you prevented them playing. I prevented from playing the Meg Drive. I think like technically the earliest thing I remember seeing, I think, must have been Sonic. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a photograph of me somewhere as a baby watching my siblings play Sonic One. But, nice. Uh, in terms of me actually like playing the game, uh, my first game I ever played was Spyro Two. Spyro Two was the first Spyro game I remember playing as well. Yeah, and it's. Um, I remember the the reason why I started playing was because um, I used to absolutely love watching my brothers and sisters play video games. Mm-hmm. I would force them to play games in front of me. I, I get that. There's like something about watching someone else play video games, kind of like being in that kind of environment. You're in. You're in with the fun. If that makes sense. They're like you sharing their disappointment if they can't get a level sorted, or oh, you yeah, sharing I mean, their. I watched uh, them complete Rayman. And Rayman's a great game. <laughs> it is, uh, but they managed to like 100% it, and um, I don't know if you ever completed Rayman, but that is not an easy feat. I actually, I've not actually played Rayman, but my friends did, so I am aware of the, the series. I played a little bit of Rayman Legends when it came out uh, with a couple of my friends, and that was absolute chaos. I loved it. We never actually ended up finishing it, so hopefully we can get that sorted in the future. But uh, Rayman Legends yeah. is great. Rayman uh, great. Oh no, the the first Rayman game is uh, it starts off fine. Yeah. Then you get somewhere like, I don't know, around the end of the Badlands, the Blue Mountains. Uh, don't really want to swear, but um, that's how it gets a little bit unfair. <laughs> yeah, to get a little bit tricky after that point. Like, I remember. Lots of first, um, first like player traps sort of thing. Oh right, okay. Like unless you know what's coming, you're going to die. Yeah, you have to kind of do a couple of replays to kind of know the course and know what obstacles are going to come through to quite avoid them in the future, that sort of thing. Yeah, but it's not unlimited lives, so you've also got game overs to attend with. Ah, uh, yeah. That's a, this was probably before the whole, like, save game load game sort of thing. It's basically just get the level done within a certain amount of lives or you're done. You're not done much, for. Yeah. No, you can still save, but it doesn't make it any easier. But uh, So I'm going slightly off topic with that one. So what it was is... Um, I was really afraid I was going to be bad at games mm-hmm. um, because um, I'm dyslexic, so I wasn't very good at school. Um, also, quite socially awkward, so I wasn't making friends easily. So I am also socially awkward, so I completely get you there. Yay, socially <laughs> awkward. So I didn't feel I was good at anything, as it were. Yeah. But then my uh, siblings got so sick of me forcing them to play games. They're like, "Look, you know, here's the controller, here's the game." <laughs> You're gonna sit down. And you're gonna play it. We all have that one person that told you that taught you how to use a controller, and then brought you into the into the world of gaming. So for me, it was my first best friend in primary school that showed me like this: the controller, these are the buttons. I was terrible because I was still new, but I appreciated that because obviously I wouldn't be where I was without him. And then for yourself, it's obviously your siblings. Yeah, I mean, they didn't even show me how to use it. I was just sort of like, yeah, here you go. Off you run. <laughs> Off you go. Um... What was kind of nice though was, because um, obviously Spyro 2 is like a, quite a nice game to start off with, I think, anyway. Yeah, but what very I really, accessible. 
fake ass one, but I really remember as a kid was the game wouldn't tell me off for not getting it right straight away. Yes, you're right. absolutely right. I was allowed to work out on my own time how to play, what the basic sort of goal was. You know, it, it didn't sort of like say like, oh, you're doing terribly, you're doing this. Like, no, no, just try again. Like, say okay. if you're playing a game like Dark Souls, which basically wants to bend you over a barrel and tell you you're a terrible gamer every five <laughs> minutes, whereas Spyro's just like, it's okay, you can do it again. You can do it again, it's fine. It's very, yeah. very forgiving, that game. Yeah, and it was really um, special to me, so it's like, oh, so it's okay that I learn a little bit slower, I can actually um, get this in my own time. Of course you get those one levels in Spyro where it's like, please just let me finish the bloody level. <laughs> then for Spyro 2, I believe it's treetops, which is the most difficult level. Oh, that's Spyro 1. Is that Spyro 1? Yeah, treetops is um, Spyro 1. Spyro 2 is... Um... There's quite a few differences between, like... Spyro 1 really sticks out in the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. Spyro 2 is a little bit more forgiving. I can't think of any levels that are quite as frustrating. It as might be the speedway levels I'm thinking of for Spyro 2, then, because they oh. were quite difficult. Yes, they were a... Um... A thing of frustration. I used to avoid them quite often. I remember there was me and my husband played Spyro 2 once and we streamed it and I was going for the entire level going oh the Badlands that's my favourite level of Spyro 2 I'm gonna love playing this game and it came to that level but it was the remaster. Yeah. So it's been a lot of time since I played it and we've been playing the remastered version of it. I died a lot. I died so many times I was getting so frustrated because like when I was a kid this game this was my favourite level of the entire game and I'd replay it over and over again and now I can't get through the first area without dying. I was just getting so frustrated. <laughs> but funny. yeah. I don't know, I had an experience um, difficulty with Spyro in years. It's one of those things, I've played them so many times. Mm -hmm. I forget that they're hard if you haven't played them before. It's that muscle memory kind of thing. If you're constantly playing it and you've got that kind of, I know exactly where I need to go in certain levels, like it's fine, you get through it a breeze. If you go away and come back to it, then it then it's like relearning the entire game again. Yeah, I, I don't know. For me, I think I never did really stop playing, so to speak. So it's always in there. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Another with you. game like that is um, uh, Sonic Three and Knuckles. Is also muscle memory for me. You know what? I never played Sonic Three. I only played the first one. I think I played the second one for a bit. But I never owned the second one, but I never played three. Tut 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 tut. <laughs> What's three like? Well, I always joke that um, three is the sophisticated choice of favourite 2D Sonic. <laughs> I mean, two is a very fine choice for most people, you know. Two is nice, very fast, very streamlined. But with Sonic three, but I, I say Sonic three and Knuckles specifically because it was separated into two games. Sonic and Knuckles had a yeah. lock-on cartridge. Sonic three, for little on its own, is only one half of a game. Right. So, okay. Yeah. 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 It's um, it's like a really big adventure. It all takes place on one island. Yeah. They did a lot of things which um, I don't think get appreciated enough sometimes. Like um, each level has um, like a little sprite animation to sort of lead into it, so it's not so random. Yeah. Like the end of Angel Island Zone. It has Knuckles being um, not particularly nice, impressing a switch to send uh, to break a bridge to send Sonic and Tails to um, Hydro City Zone. Yeah. Which is like the sort of aqueduct's water level. Everyone Have hates the water levels in Sonic, apparently. Ah, but Hydro City is actually fun. It's Go actually... on, convince everyone. <laughs> no, no, Hydro City is a fun water level. It's more like a water slide with how fast you can go. 
So if you do oh, okay, that's path, fine. You know, if you take the right path, you can stay above the water all the way through. The music's great. I have a friend that um, the sound effects of when something was drowning in the water level used to give them nightmares at night because they hated it so much. <laughs> I feel that may be the start of my anxiety. Mm-hmm. When does your anxiety begin? Well... Ah, welcome to the psychology part of the uh, podcast. Uh... <laughs> Sonic drowning was the start of my anxiety problems. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think any escort mission or any kind of thing where you have to juggle multiple things, that's when your anxiety starts to peak as well. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, the Hydra City is funny because it's... Yeah, Hydra City is funny because the... It doesn't um, separate the two words, so I've always read it's Hydrosity Zone. Right, okay. And I've been calling this bloody level Hydrosity. That's a much cooler name, to be honest, than Hydro City. I thought it was like a pun (laughs) of um, Philosophy and Hydro, you know. Yeah, it works. It works for the level, it's fine. Yeah. Hydrosity. Hydrosity Zone, and then years later I hear someone else say, no, it's Hydro City alone. I'm like, what? (laughs) I've been calling this level... You know, Hydrosity. Sorry, they said Hydrosity, not Hydrosity, but yeah. I'm like, I've been calling this bloody level Hydrosity Zone for years. My life's a lie. Um, I'm not the only one either. It was an internet debate for a while, but it's um, been confirmed that it is indeed Hydrosity Zone. No, it's Hydrosity. You heard it here first. Yeah, no, it's always going to be Hydrosity in my heart. Um, but anyway, yeah, other things it like... It flows Sonic... better. It sounds better. But other things like Sonic 3 is like, Act 1 and 2 have different backgrounds. So Act 2 looks like you're deeper in the zone, so it gives that feeling of progression. Yeah. Sonic 2 is obviously really good, but the levels are very, um, you know, you go from a Green Hill-esque level, which is Emerald Hill Zone, and suddenly you're in Chemical Plant Zone, so you've gone from green grass to chemical plant with no explanation. (laughs) Not that it matters, obviously. It just just happens, you don't have to to think about it, it just happens. (laughs) Yeah, which is obviously absolutely fine for the record, I don't don't actually care, but it's still nice... There's at least some attempt at making it sort of make sense in Sonic 3 & Knuckles, because it's all one island. Yeah. How there were pyramids next to the volcano, I'm not terribly sure. Um, Yeah, exactly. You know, it's just, you know, in the Sonic world, apparently, you know, you can have uh, volcanoes next to pyramids, that's okay. Have you got any other, like, gaming memories and stuff like that from, like, your early years of gaming? I remember there's a a nice fun memory I have with my family stuff like that, because my family aren't massive gamers. I'm probably the only one that really does video games in the house. I can probably convince my sister to play a video game with me if she also has a vested interest in it too. But in terms of it in general, she wouldn't just pick up a random game and be like, I'm going to play this. There has to be a reason behind it. But one of my fondest memories from when I was a kid was my dad and me playing a racing game on the PlayStation 1 uh, called V-Rally. And it's just a, it's a simple like rally racing game sort of thing. The graphics by today's standards are rubbish. Everything looks like a box on wheels. But it was the only game that I think, the very first game that I played multiplayer with my family. So it was me, my dad and my sister all uh, racing these rally cars. And I remember a very fond um, memory of my uh, sister had raced on ahead and was in, in first place. And everyone was like, oh my God, this is amazing because my sister's normally rubbish at these kind of games. And she ended up flipping her car over. And uh, me and my dad were behind her. And my dad ended up using her overturned car as a ramp to jump over her carcass and into the lead. And I remember it being the most hilarious thing at the time that my dad used my sister as a ramp to get into the lead. <laughs> but yeah, I love those sort of games. Um, I love the retro games, that sort of thing. Well, yeah, just Have you got any other like um, fond memories? I'm trying to think. I'm sure I do. 
I mean, like, I have countless fond memories of, um... So I'm gonna move on from Sonic for a minute, Brain. Let's, um, pick a different game. <laughs> the thing is, like, your brain, your brain's just thinking, it's like, just think about this game, and then, what, this thing in this game, this one in this game. Oh, no, I'm, I've moved on to, um, Sonic Heroes in my mind. <laughs> I've jumped to 3D. I remember playing Shadow the Hedgehog on the PS5. Not PS5, PS2 even. Yeah, in 2005, is what I was trying to say. <laughs> Oh, yeah, um, that famous um, Shadow of the Hedgehog on PS5, you know, that remake that... Uh, yeah, the, uh... yeah, it was. It sold so well that they remade it. No, no, they didn't. <laughs> I that was famous for giving one. Uh, one of the Hedgehog characters a gun, because it was really edgy, mid-naughty stuff. It was stuff. 2000s. <laughs> yeah, and they had the branching storyline on it, which was actually was really good. Just the themes were a little off. <laughs> it definitely sticks out. I mean, Shadow of the Hedgehog is kind of my... Um... Guilty pleasure, I guess, because I, I understand yeah. why people dislike it. Um, I've hundred percented it and got A ranks in all the levels. I remember. Oh god, this this is a memory just comes straight into my mind. I remember um, with my best friend at the time in high school, printing off reams and reams and reams of like or every single ending in Shadow of the Hedgehog, <laughs> and trying to recreate them in the game. And it's like there's a fair few hundred different endings depending on which route you take on that game. I think we did about 12 at the end of it. No, I, I didn't go um, that far. But yeah, <laughs> I love that game. Yeah, uh, it's like very it. old by today's standards, but I love that game. Yeah, it's weird when we say 2005 is old. I'll tell you what, I, um, if I think of like good memories. Um, uh, we, weren't, we weren't allowed any sort of um, 18 plus games, obviously. Yeah. Because uh, the parents were responsible, but it didn't stop me when I went over to a friend's house. <laughs> Yeah. From playing um, GTA, um, I think it was Vice City. Yes, <laughs> I have a similar story where I went to a game shop with my dad, I might add, to buy. Because I played, we had the GTA 1, GTA 2, the top down version of GTA at home, um, which obviously my parents had seen, and they're, very, they're, they're quite kind of, even though they've got violence in them, it's not very uh, gratuitous, should we say. So they were fine with me playing that. But obviously, Vice City, GTA 3, San Andreas were all 18s. And my dad didn't know that. So when I, I saw there was a double pack of GTA 3 and Vice City, so I picked that up and took it to the desk. And I was like, I can pass as an 18-year-old, no problem. I got up to the desk and the guy behind the counter was like, are you 18? And I literally, without a break, I was like, yes. <laughs> and I was like, my dad was like in the background, like not within earshot, but he was like in the shop, like wandering around. I was like, yep. Yeah. Okay then, and he just scanned the thing off and gave it to me. I was like, that was easy. <laughs> and as you can tell today, that's completely had no lasting effects on me whatsoever. No, no, I, I think the... I can't say that the violence in GTA really affected me. It was one of those... I knew, obviously, it's a game, you know, that violence isn't yeah. part of real life. Although I do remember one of my um, sisters, because um, I was explaining the game to her, and uh, she was like, oh, um, do you want to buy the game? And I was sort of like, oh no, we can't have this game. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was one of those, like, you know when you were a kid and you're like, oh no, I was being very naughty. Yeah, like, oh, I've been such a, I'm being such a, uh, a badass and being very naughty by buying a game that's, like, over my age limit. Yeah, and oh no, I played a game where I ran people over. <laughs> and of course, the um, going online... Um, I think it was Game Facts. Um, yeah. Joshing down all the cheats for games. Yeah. And stuffing the cheats that you've. Um, no, I mean, I couldn't. I didn't even have a printer, so I had to write them by hand. Mm-hmm. And then shoving them in the um, the bit where you put the manuals. 
Yes, the the, the little um, the little clips that hold the manual and you just yes. shove all the street codes in. I remember doing that myself as well. That's taking back some memories now. Yeah, it's just like I think I used to do it at school as well because it's um, we didn't have internet for quite a while. Well, you know, internet I was allowed to mm. sort of use more frequently because you know it used to be dial-ups. It would use up the phone line and that that amazing sound that you'd hear of a modem whenever you answer the phone or. Uh, or Boot the PC up. Yeah, that really wonderful sound of the internet. Um, so just reminds me of the nineties. Yeah. So at school, I used to, uh, you know, the teachers aren't looking. Um, <laughs> going to GameFAQs, <laughs> um, which is funny enough how I figured out how to complete Crush Bandicoot two. Um, yeah. Because in Crush Bandicoot two, to get some of the gems requires um, either like secret locations or doing something quite random. Like I couldn't figure out how to get the blue gem in the first level. So um, I was there stealthily in school, like tapping in. <laughs> Crash Bandicoot Two. I'm through. in. <laughs> and I found out it, you had to not hit any of the boxes. And go through the entire level without touching any boxes. Yes, you know, don't do the main goal of the game. Essentially, was how you got the blue gem. Which sounds like something that um, certain people. They're, they're like there are speedruns now of people doing a non-boxless challenge, uh, doing a boxless challenge of Crash Bandicoot. So yeah. I've seen yeah. Some of those. <laughs> I wouldn't do that because I would lose my patience very, very quickly, but yeah. <laughs> I like watching gaming challenges, but I can't say I'll do it myself. That's the same thing. It's like, I'm taking my hat off to anyone who can do gaming challenges over that, but I don't have the patience and the time to dedicate to doing a gaming challenge myself. <laughs> yeah, same for um, speedruns. I love watching speedruns. Yeah. But I do not have the patience to learn the games that well. Yeah. And sometimes I'm like, I'm that kind of thing, like, even though I've played the game about 15 times, I want to go through every single cutscene, I want to go through every single uh, bit of story lore and stuff like that. I don't want to skip through any bit of it. No, <laughs> so, like, I a speedrun is alien to me. The game, you know, I don't like um, skipping cutscenes too much. Yeah. I remember, I remember having, like, going around friends' houses and they're playing games and, like, it's a dialogue-heavy game and they're just skipping the entire dialogue. I'm like, don't, don't do it, don't, don't do that! <laughs> they might have bits in the mission in that dialogue and you've just skipped through the entire thing so we can't help ourselves. <laughs> Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, like, I've got to admit, I didn't play too many story-heavy games when I was young because, um, you know, back with um, the pre-voice acting for RPGs, like, FF7 doesn't yeah. have voice acting. Like, text. Text for dialogue, yeah. Yeah, there, there was no way I could keep up that kind of stuff. Because <laughs> <laughs> my, my dyslexic brain was like, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> so this is torture for me, <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah, so I just kind of stopped with platformers, mostly. Yeah, so I, I, I didn't play, like, FF7 and um, FF7 think... is a classic game though I mean I haven't played FF7 FF I played the first little bit of it I think and then it wasn't my game that I had to give it to my friend so I don't actually think I've actually played a, a Final Fantasy game all the way through yet which I know is sacrilege because everyone's played a Final Fantasy game I haven't <laughs> even I who's really clumsy with RPGs like that's my best description of me playing an RPG <laughs> um, even I finished um, Earthbound Earthbound's quite rare, though, in the in the Europe, isn't it? Um, it didn't come out in Europe. That's the thing I was going to say. Is that's so rare because I think it only came out in Japan and America. Uh, North America. I played it on the Wii U, you know, because I was one of three people okay. who bought one. Yeah, well, I remember I didn't buy a Wii U, but my friend had a Wii U. This is going to be my. This is going to be most of my analogies. Like my friend had X game, and this is why I ended up playing it. I think yeah, my friend had a Wii, um, and we played it. We played with it a lot. Yeah, we played so, with the console a lot. Yeah, that's my exposure to like 
I think part of my problems with RPGs is I'm one of these people who will, um, I won't play like the basic ones. I'm like, oh, I want to play this one with weird mechanics. Yeah, it's like, I don't want to play the, the, the critical darlings. I want to play like this weird one that no one's ever heard of. Yes, and I think anyone who's um, who would watch me play an RPG, it's equivalent to watching someone do a hurdle race and trip over every single hurdle until they eventually get to the end. Have you been watching videos of me again? <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't. That's part of the kind of adventure though as well. Yeah, I like the... Um, what's it? Because I got frustrated with one of my friends playing FF7 on the PS4 because he turned on the unlimited limit breaks and things. Like, you put yeah. cheats on. I'm like, oh no, no, the point is... We have the risk that we might not make it because it's, you know, um, it's going to sound silly. The risk-reward type thing. <laughs> yeah, you know, we've got to have those moments where we just made that battle. And I just feel like if it wasn't for you, you would not have uh, gone through it. Not, not, not because of that last like item you used or that last limit break you used, you wouldn't be where you are in the story then. Now that you, want, you feel like you want to earn it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, I like those moments in gaming where... You know, you're on that one little bit sliver of health, like the final boss. You know, yeah. if you die, you're going to have to do the whole thing again. And you just get that final hit in, and it feels so good. I remember this as well on older games as well that um, if you're in a boss fight and you lose, you can't skip the cutscene to get you to that, go that boss fight. And it no. being infuriating having to go through the same dialogue and the same cutscene for like, however long it was until you get to that boss, boss fight until you actually defeated just it. Just to give it enough go. Yeah, <laughs> I'd yeah. go ahead and like if I if I did it enough times, if I failed enough times, I just mute the TV until I did it. <laughs> I don't want to hear that same cutscene over and over again. It was a good time to make a sandwich, you know, like get some snacks. Like oh, it's a cutscene again. Yeah, <laughs> I might get coffee or something. I completed gold. One of my greatest gaming achievements for me, anyway, was I completed Golden Axe two on hard yeah. mode by myself. So you basically picked up the, the lantern your dad left when you were born. <laughs> yes, I picked up the lantern. I did it in the sequel, but I did it on hard mode. I was on my last little bit of health, no lives left, game over was going to happen. Mm -hmm. Just managed to get the final boss. And I was, yes. I was so pleased with myself. The credits rolled, I was like, oh, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to do that again. <laughs> Why did I think I'm, hard mode was a good idea? I remember being a kid and going to our local game shop and buying just a random game off the shelf. Don't have any prior like assumptions about it, just grab it because the cover looks nice. Playing it for a weekend and giving it back to them. <laughs> I kind of miss that a little bit. Yeah, I'm, I do kind of miss the surprise of gaming. Yeah. Yeah, like just getting a game not knowing what it is. Um, like the kind of thing, I remember that's kind of like how I ended up playing Croc because I just saw the cover and I liked the design of the character. Yeah. Although it wasn't until someone lent me their copy I got to play it. You know, they were like, oh, you might like this game. And of course, I loved it. Yeah. Even if it is tank controls on a platformer. I had that with the only movie tie-in game that was any good, and I will die on this hill, was the Emperor's New Groove game. Yes. Uh, I actually played the game before I watched the movie, because that's the way things work sometimes. And I love that game so much. I don't think I ever completed it. I got very, very close to completing it, and then the disc broke, and I was like, oh, I really wanted to finish this. I got to the catacombs level of uh, Emperor's New Groove in the game, so people who have played it, you know how far I got. And then the disc scratched, and I couldn't play it again, and I was so... Cause there was no, I couldn't find another copy of it, so I was like, I couldn't like get another copy and just play that. No. And I was so demoralised by it. But I love that game. It's That's actually my a really game fun tie-in game. Another good one is actually um, Toy Story 2. 
It's good. Oh yes, you were right. Oh my god, how have I forgotten this? The Toy Story games are amazing. Yes. The Toy um, Story tie-in games are great. <laughs> I gotta admit though, and I'm gonna sound really silly, but um, I don't know why, and I'm still not sure why, but Toy Story 2 and PlayStation um, scared me. Okay. Um, I think it's because, well... How <laughs> no, that make you feel, Hannah? <laughs> I think it's because you're a toy, so you're really small and you're in like normal household environments, like the attic and things, and yeah. um, the garage and stuff like that. So um, I that was a game that I think only um, one of my sisters played because... I felt too intimidated by being that small. <laughs> <laughs> it's really stupid. I remember playing the Toy Story 2 uh, game on the PS1 at my cousin's house and absolutely loving it. I don't think I, was ever, I, don't think I was ever scared of it. <laughs> no, no, it's just I, I had really weird fears as a kid. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, same. So I think for me it was just the being shrunken down and like normal environments suddenly being imposing. Yeah. Um, if that makes any sense. I also used to be really frightened of chase sequences. Oh, right, okay. Like, I remember in Rayman 1, um, the final level, you have um, Dark Rayman chases you. Yeah. And he mimics all your movements, and that used to terrify me. I think it plays on that kind of night nightmare theme, feeling of, like, running down a hallway and not being able to get to the end kind of thing. It plays on that kind of fear, I think. Oh, yeah, definitely. But, yeah, it's just funny with Toy Story in particular, because it's like, I still haven't gone back to it, because I still have, like, that weird childhood feeling. Toy Story 2. Actually, Toy Story I, 2 I, I'm going to change my answer. Game. I'm changing my answer. Toy Story 2, the video game, is the best movie tying game of all time. I think Then closely followed by New em Emperor's New Groove. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Although, for me, it's the best horror game. <laughs> Forget Resident Evil. <laughs> Toy Story the best two horror game, the horror. in Hannah's opinion, is Toy Story 2. Yeah, that's the, the ultimate in fear. <laughs> I'm trying to think of, like, I think I had other moments, like, yeah, some of my gaming history is really weird when I think about it. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like, the old things that, like, you're fine with, actually, kind of think about it, I don't think we even played any horror games for years, so I don't think we were allowed. I, think I, ever, I don't think I've ever owned a horror game. I think I've watched people play a horror game. I have played horror games that weren't mine, but I've never owned one. I've always been into either racing, strategy, or simulation games. They're the top three that I'd play. Yeah, no, tell me why. Uh, we didn't own it because it was a demo disc. I mean, like, mm. people remember demo discs. I remember demo discs. They were great. There was a demo disc with, uh, it was a demo of Nightmare Creatures. Nightmare Creatures. I have seen a video of Nightmare Creatures, so I know what you mean. Yeah, um, the bit with the werewolf jumped out of me, I used to find frightening. I used to sort of like, yeah. to dare myself to see how far I can get into Nightmare Creatures demo. From the video that I saw, I was like, if I was playing this as a kid, that would also get me as well. That would also freak me out. It's the low polygon monsters. Like, they are yeah. scary. So a little bit hard to um, distinguish what they are. Yeah, that kind of plays in your fear of like, I don't know what this is, but it's coming for me. <laughs> yeah, and I've got to attack it quick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it is, but I don't like it. <laughs> it's, it's weird though, like, with horror games, it's like, if I'm watching a horror movie, then I won't sleep for a couple of days afterwards because my, my imagination will go into overdrive. And I won't be able to do anything else. If I'm watch if I'm watching someone play a horror game or if I'm playing a horror game, the fear is still there, but it's temporary. Like it will go away as soon as the game turns off. Whereas with a film, it kind of stays with you a bit longer. And I don't know what it is, but I just always seem to find horror video games easier than watching a horror movie. That's interesting, actually. Because I'm kind of the opposite. Um, I can watch a horror movie absolutely no issue. In fact, horror is my favourite genre. Mm -hmm. You know, get through them absolutely fine. Doesn't matter what it is. A horror game suddenly it's like, oh no, I'm in control. No, I don't like this. If I die, that's on me. I get it as well. Like, I get that kind of disconnect of like, if you're in a horror movie, it's like, you don't control what's happening. Like, anything can happen. It's not your fault. You can turn it off. It's gone. 
If you're in a video game, it's like, I control everything, and it's coming after me because I'm controlling the person. Yeah. And but I have the opposite way for some reason. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, although I do collect resi clones, funnily enough. Well, who doesn't like a, a good resi clone? Yeah, I just find them really intriguing for some reason. I have some really weird, obscure ones as well. Trying to, I think my two most obscure ones are um, Chaos Break and Deep Fit, both of which only came out in Japan and European territories. It's weird, like, some games are only getting released in certain er certain regions as well. Like, yeah, they're both quite rare. Yeah, after that would put up the rarity, wouldn't it? Yeah, I'm uh, just going to say, Deep Fear is definitely a better game than Chaos Break. Deep Fear another clone? Yeah, Deep Fear is a clone. But it is, I actually would say it's a good resi clone, man. I can't, it's annoying, I can't recommend people to buy it necessarily because you, you'd be spending, to get a PAL copy, you're spending a few hundred pounds, but even to get a Japanese copy, which is completely playable. Yeah. Because it's English dialogue with Japanese subtitles. It's still gone up in value. And then obviously you've got to, you know, get some an action replay to play region locked games in the first place. Yeah. I really wish I had a re-release because it's not, like, it's one I'd want to recommend, but unless you're emulating it. And Saturn emulation is horrible. I remember there was a racing game on PS1 called Driver, which a lot of people have known about. Very popular uh, game. I past the tutorial. It was literally got there before I <laughs> I got past the tutorial. I managed to finish that game, one of the games I finished. But I was going to play it recently, and I couldn't find somewhere to emulate it. I eventually found, like, a web browser version of the game, but it doesn't have all the audio. So, like... It will play the cutscene audio and stuff like that, but like, you know when you go through and you pay answer phone messages to start missions or that sort of yeah. thing? It wouldn't play the answer phone message. It would play, press the button like you press the button, but it wouldn't hear anything. Like that bit's been cut out. But because I was playing an emulated version of Driver on a PC with an Xbox controller, but the button mapping had all gone completely to pop basically. So if you press the A button instead of like doing the handbrake, you'd change the camera and the handbrake. And it was like, I basically make it 10 times worse for myself. Um, but yeah, it was very difficult to get through the tutorial and I was like, oh, I did it ages ago, I can do it again. And then I went back to it recently and I'm like, I can't do this tutorial, what the hell's going on? Oh, I can do a tutorial on the original PlayStation, let alone try and do it on an emulator. Yeah, it hasn't got any easier uh, as you get older. It's still the world's most notorious tutorial. Like, it doesn't tell you what to do anything. It literally just drops you into it. Oh, here you go. <laughs> like, do the thing. Yeah. The rest yeah, of the game is easier by the rest of the game is like easier by comparison. Yes, once you get past the tutorial, the tutorial has literally that's the first difficulty spike of the entire game. Yes, the actual game itself is pretty easy. The difficulty spikes are a funny one. Um, I think the things with weird difficulty because um, I'm quite a fan of the Panzer Dragoon series. Um, yeah. Yeah, a lot of my games are very obscure for the record. Once we get past Sonic and Spire and Crash, suddenly I'm like, oh yeah, Sonic. We've gone from like mainstream to like here's like a little small kind of like indie kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, that, that's my sums up my some like my taste in games very well. But yeah, so Panzer Dragoon, Panzer Dragoon Alter is the Xbox game. Right. Yeah. The difficulty on that one, normal mode plays like hard mode. Easy plays right, yeah. like normal, and hard I don't even want to get into it. I think I've heard of this. It was a developing error, so like all the difficulty things were like one up from where it should be. That would make like, a lot of sense. Yeah, so like easy was difficult, and then normal was Hard. difficult. Easy was normal, and it goes up that way. Yeah, so I can confirm, having played it, it is very much like that. Although playing Alter is um, kind of weird plot-wise because it clearly takes place after Saga. Um, right. But you can still enjoy it if you haven't played Saga. But um, it definitely connects to that game more, and it's um, again, it's another difficult recommendation because I can't be like, oh, you should play Panzer Dragoon Saga before you play Alter, because five hundred pounds now. 
That's the difficult thing is like back in the past, you're like, oh, you can you can play this old PS2 game. I recommend blah, blah, blah. but now you can't because most consoles now or most PCs can't run old hardware just for the virtue of how technology goes on. So it's getting issue. more and more difficult to be like, yeah, you should play this game. It's like, yeah, but I can't play it. It's a lot because Panzer Dragoon Saga is a really good RPG. Um, it came out, I think, a similar time to FF7. Mm-hmm. And so I'd love to recommend it because it has a really good story. It's um, I like the combat in it. It's, I think it's a little bit easy is the only problem. But the customization on the dragon itself is also really cool because you can customise your stats at any point, however you want. A lot of people who know me know that if a game has customization options, I'll be there for about three hours. Okay. I want to make everything look perfect. The good thing with the stat customization as well is um, it changes how the dragon looks. If you <laughs> bumped your um, power stats up, for example, your dragon yeah. would look really beefy. Right, um, okay. <laughs> I mean, that kind of literally, you know, he becomes a big boy. But if you um, put in your speed stat um, increase, you'll become a bit more slender, but you have to be careful how you balance it, because if you increase your power all the way up, you would have, like, no speed. Yeah. So it's... Um, You're a tank, but you can't move. Yes. And movement's yeah. really important with it, because it's, like, semi-turn-based. Um, oh, it's really good, but I can't recommend it, because it's difficult to emulate. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's a Saturn game, and Saturn... Oh, and they lost the source code for it as well, so it can't get ported. I'm trying to think of other games that aren't racing related on the, the consoles that I've got. I've played beforehand. I do play a lot of racing games. I want to kind of tra- switch it up a little bit. There's nothing wrong with racing. I'm I mean, there isn't anything wrong with racing, but there's another game that I had for a long time, and I played it with, played it with, my, by, with my friend that was in um, college called Destruction Derby Raw, which was a, another racing game, but Destruction Derby basically mixed with it. I had like so many different tracks, and um, I think I must have completed about 15 times. I loved that game. But it was so much joy, it's so cathartic to just smash a car into something out into another car whilst driving around this random track. It's great. It's like it's like Mario Kart but with crashes. It was great. <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I haven't played many racing games admittedly beyond um, Mario Kart and Crash Team Racing and things like that. Yeah. So I do like the racing genre, but I don't normally have enough people to actually play with. I understand that, I do. Although actually having said that, I do like Wipeout. I played a bit of Wipeout, I don't remember playing it back in the day, I remember playing the remakes on the PS5 recently. But it's quite difficult after a certain stage, the difficulty spikes do go up quite quickly with those games. Oh, I didn't say I was good at it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not good at Wipeout, but I like playing it. Actually, thinking of a game, a racing game with a difficulty spike, I can't think what it is. It's one of the F-Zero games on GameCube, I can't think what it's called. I mean, there's only one F-Zero game on GameCube, so... Yeah. Easy find. Well, that has a difficulty spike and a half, but it's one of those games like, it's absolutely fine to a point, then it gets to this one level, and you have to race that level perfectly. Like, yeah. The, uh, the AI knows exactly what it's doing, I'm falling off the track constantly. <laughs> <laughs> I never yeah. actually got past that level in that F-Zero game, and I'm like, where did this cu- spike come from? The game Are all like, the AIs like on rails and they follow the same route each time? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Regardless of where you are currently on the track, so it just push you off the way. Yeah, and it's just... Oh, I still haven't got past that point. It's like, it was such a fair game before that. It kind of lulls you into a full sense of security and it's just like, okay, now let's destroy her. You, what's that? You're having fun? Nope, can't have that. <laughs> we can't have too much fun. You have to, you know, you have to be taught a lesson by not being able to do this damn race, even though you can do the damn race. Yeah, oh, actually thinking of games that don't want you to have too much fun. <laughs> like, uh, back into the, you know, the rental days. 
Yeah. Because it's quite common for um, older games to be made purposely difficult, so you can't complete on a weekend. Yes. Echo the Dolphin is one of those games. I vaguely remember Echo the Dolphin. It was a little bit, I think, before my time, I think. But I remember it. Yeah, I still had a Mega Drive on the PlayStation 1 and 2. At that point, I mean. Because we we re-bought a Mega Drive. Because my siblings would not stop going on about how great Sonic was, and I was really curious. And at that time, it was only on the Mega Drive. You couldn't get it on anything else. Yeah, although I think it... I did end up playing Mega Collection on PS2, but they um, they also brought up games like Cool Spot and stuff that you could only get on Mega Drive. Oh, and Streets of Rage. Um, so my curiosity was peaked. eBay was um, around at the time. I mean, it still is, obviously, but I mean... It was, it was more popular back uh, back then than it was at the moment. It didn't have Amazon to fight against. Yeah, eBay was... Um, and also it was back when game... Before collecting retro games was popular. Because they weren't really retro at that point. Yeah. So you can get quite easy. But anyway, yeah, I got, got the Mega Drive, got Cool Spot, and... Um, oh, that game. So... <laughs> You know, it's, it's cute in the beginning. Oh, you know, there's a little dolphin. Who's, he's got some stars on his head. This is going to be a really lovely game. No, nothing lovely about Echo the Dolphin. Mm-hmm. Uh, the game has no checkpoints. It's really long. Enemies come at you at random locations. Apparently the creator of it was just so worried that kids were going to complete in a weekend. They just, you know, made it unfair. I mean, um, I can see what they're... Yeah, they went I can a bit see why they do that as well. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, you're trying... Because it's kind of... I don't know how to describe Echo. It's almost like an underwater puzzler. Like you're swimming through environments, you've got mild problem solving to do. You've also it's got like Sonic like the Hedgehog but underwater permanently. Sort of, but not as fast. It's a bit more methodical. Yeah. I like the atmosphere of it actually. It's got one of the most stupid. Actually, I don't want to describe the story as stupid. Weird, surreal stories, but I find it strangely engaging. Because it starts I... out simple with um, a storm takes your family away and Echo. It's like, oh, better go and rescue my family. So, you know, you swim through the ocean looking through them, but it turns out aliens uh, are involved and time travel. It, it seems like it was started off being a pretty, like, run-of-the-mill um, game and then M. Night Shyamalan did his stuff over this plot and was like, no, 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 we need aliens, uh, we need this. Yes, that's what we need. Yeah, but the Atlanteans built a time machine for Echo the Dolphin to use, apparently. And Echo just knows how instinctively how to use the time machine as well. Yeah, he does. <laughs> he does indeed. Um, yeah, I didn't complete that game when I was young because, I mean, you've got the air meter to contend with. The lack of checkpoints was definitely what got me with that game. Yeah. So I completed it on the 3DS because on the 3DS version you've got Super Dolphin mode. Yeah. Um, it was really nice completing that game because it's like game that defeated me during childhood and I finally got to beat it. Oh, I love that feeling as well. That feeling's amazing. And uh, for anyone thinking, oh, you didn't complete it properly because you used the Super Dolphin cheat, well, I happen to play the Japanese version as well, which does have checkpoints. So the Japanese version has checkpoints, but the PAL version didn't? Yes. The Japanese version has lots of really weird differences. Actually, for the very few people that have played Echo, I recommend playing the Japanese version as well. It's um, Some of the sprite work is different in it and stuff like that. It's really odd. It must have been developed later because the um, there's a level right at the end which is incomplete in the PAL version. Yeah. Uh, but actually has an ending in the Japanese version. And uh, of course this is the really normal level where you're on an alien spaceship. As you do. As you do. Oh, uh, <laughs> The level's called Welcome to the Machine and it's... Um, I think it's another one of my gaming high points that I managed to complete that level on the PAL version without checkpoints. Also I mean, well done. Congratulations on that. Trust me, if we gave it a go, you'd know my pain. <laughs> but 
but it's an auto scroller that goes in weird like it doesn't go from left to right it goes like up and down and all around and you've got to know the exact path to take oh no i hate that sort yeah, of thing if you don't Especially if i can't right see the whole map and it's five minutes you got five minutes to do it as well no no it, it's the level takes five minutes oh, oh okay so it's, okay fair enough yeah i'm with you yeah Ugh, horrible but the, the power version it just kind of levels like it's done there you go it, the screen just like warps off to the side really quickly you're like okay but the Japanese version actually has like an ending. <laughs> Denny defeat a xenomorph. Right. Do they have some kind of dealings with Ridley Scott uh, part of this game as well? I'm, I'm surprised it didn't, but you got to break its jaw. Um, <laughs> I'm not joking. You got. Maybe it's a good thing I didn't get far in this game as a kid. Actually, that would have freaked me out. Like, yeah, it's like, it looks like a xenomorph head. You got to break its jaw off. You got. Can you got to poke its eyes out or scream its eyes out? I seem to remember like doing something hideous to this monster thing. You know, I can just see, I can just see someone doing like a, a dark and gritty like um, horror movie version of Echo the Dolphin. <laughs> oh, maybe, maybe a long <laughs> And the big bad ends up being a giant horror. animal. Yeah, I, I definitely now I think about. It, I have really weird like gaming history. Well, that's the thing. Everyone has their own kind of like versions of like how they got through game, how they got to gaming, and what they kind of journey through it, that sort of thing. Yeah, um, I mean, um, trying to think like. Games that had like that were a little bit more completable, like Streets of Rage and stuff, which I'm surprised my parents weren't again against considering it's like you know violence quotation. I don't know. Things like they obviously had that panic, the moral panic in the '90s of Mortal Kombat, um, could yes. have been violent and gory and stuff like that. But when you look back at it now, like this is quite tame by comparison. I think Street Fighter was different because it was kind of like it was like fisticuffs. It wasn't like yeah, it wasn't like using like a deadly weapon. It was like I'm using my fists. Yeah, no, I remember playing Streets of Rage a lot of times because the two players were good in that. Yeah. Streets of Rage 2, I think, is my favourite um, in that series anyway. I think that's the one that everyone goes to, is Street, Ra Street Fighter 2 is no, the, the one that everyone's like, is the best one. Streets of Rage, sorry. <laughs> Street Fighter 2 is good as well, for the record. I'm talking about Oh my side. god, I'm, I'm, I'm just tired. That's why I'm saying different things. Streets of Rage 2. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, both instances, people tend to go for the second one. Hi, um, Ghosty. My ghost, uh, my ghost, my, my dog has just come to say hello, my, my uh, Alsatian ghost. Yeah. Hi. You just casually have a pet ghost. I'm just like, let me tell you about my video games. And there's left the room. Oh, well, you do. You got shy. Room. I don't know, pets can like games. My uh, my cat sometimes watches me play. Does Onyx normally sit on top of the TV and watch you whilst you're playing the game? Yeah, she watches it upside down if I'm playing on the CRT. <laughs> She's <laughs> the proper like teenager thing, like uh, watching TV upside down, her legs swinging in the air. Yeah, I mean, she's. Um, I'm surprised she doesn't have square eyes. Mm -hmm. As my mum used to say, if you sit too close to the TV. I remember my mum saying eyes. that as well. No, I mean, my cat happily sits on top of the CRT and doesn't get square eyes from it. She's watched me nearly A rank Sonic Heroes. Um, I remember um, playing on the PS5 downstairs, and Ghost will either lie on the floor next to the door. And we'll wake up whenever he hears either a dog barking in the game, um, a cat meowing in the game, a car door opening or shutting. He'll he'll uh, bark for them as well, which is great if you're playing GTA because you just do it every single time. I think one time I was watching me play, I was playing XCOM, and he was uh, watching me play that. And I'm like, I don't see why your farm is so interesting, Ghost. <laughs> Normally you fall asleep during it. Um, He's a yeah, no. Your dog's favorite game is XCOM. That's right, yes. XCOM. He's actually aliens going boom boom. I don't know what Onyx's favourite game is. Um, 
I would say she quite likes Sonic, but she doesn't keep her attention that much during it. Um, she likes watching Mega Man 2 speedruns on my laptop. <laughs> so... I just have an image now of Onyx sitting in your laptop just pouring on your screen whenever Mega Man comes up. Yeah, no, she likes Mega Man 2 speedruns. Um... Oh, and she likes Goldeneye. I can see that. I think it's like it's the laser from the gun each time would be like a laser pointer for her. Yeah, no, she likes that game. <laughs> I should play Mega Man for her at some point, but I think she likes the speed runs because the there's projectiles going everywhere and obviously the person's playing perfectly so the movement's nice for a time. Love doing that. She does like to um back the screen if I'm not careful. But then, yeah. I mean her favourite gaming moment is when the A V comes on my TV. <laughs> like the word A V is coming on the TV, she's like, Oh I'm there. Oh the you're playing? Oh let me join in. <laughs> some reason reminds me like another sort of like old gaming memory. Um, did you ever play Oddworld? Uh, yes. Yes. So I remember um, distinctly watching like both Oddworld's Apes Odyssey and Apes Exodus and yeah. being quite intrigued but also like scared of it because Indeed, yeah. You know like so obviously Sligs um, I'm trying to think what the, uh, the four-legged creatures are called. I've got Paramites I think they're Paramites, the weird things with like the finger face creatures but it's like one hit and you die. Yeah. And obviously, like, the plot for Oddworld is um, Abe's species is going to be grounded up for meat, so he wants to escape and hopefully save his friends. So there is a run you can do where it's you just save Abe and forget about his, his, his uh, employees. Oh. And there is also another one which makes it more difficult, which where you have to save his employees as well. Yes, I've done... Um, actually, I've done three runs. <laughs> I've done... Don't really bother, like, neutral sort of run, get the bad ending. Uh, I've done save everyone. And I've done Kill As Many As You Can. <laughs> uh, kill As Many As You Can gets you a reward in both of those games. What, Killing Your Own Species? Yeah, Killing Your Own Species gets you unlimited grenades and a special title screen at the end like, we know you did that on purpose. This <laughs> is how it should really be played. <laughs> yes, Age Exodus, which I think was actually more fun for killing everyone. Because mm -hmm. um, I, I think Exodus is a better game than Odyssey anyway, just because it has so many good life, um, life improvements to the game. You know, like you've got quick save and things like that. It's um, yeah. much more streamlined. But anyway, um, that gives you invincibility if you kill as many people as you can. Um, invincibility and grenades? No, only the first game gives you grenades. Oh, okay, in the sequel. Okay, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah, in the sequel you just get invincibility. But um, the sequel, I set myself a challenge to kill as many of the other employees as I could with farting. <laughs> I'll explain how this works. So, Go on. In Ape's Exodus, when you fart near another Madokin, which is the name of Ape's species, um, mm -hmm. the other Madokins will sort of go, oh, and then move one frame to the right or left, depending on what direction <laughs> you farted at. So I made it a challenge for myself to get them as close to a cliff edge, or a saw blade, or whatever was <laughs> closest to me, fart near them, and then all of them sort of go, oof, oof, ah. <laughs> <laughs> and just walk into either saw blades or off the edge, it was great. So basically, Abe becomes Jigsaw. Yes, and every, every time he kills someone, he's always like, oops. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, but as I said, I, I definitely used to be a bit freaked out by the story as a kid, because, like, obviously I wanted to save everyone, but there was no way I could complete Abe's Odyssey as a child. Yeah, it's a bit difficult for... Uh, it's I think hard it's for an adult. quite difficult for young people to do it, but as soon as you get to like teenager age, or if you get to our age, it's like, yeah, you can do that. As long as you put enough like concentration and effort into it, you can do it. Yeah, it's my teenage age is when I actually actually please. Oh, okay, fair. It's, it's one of my favourite game series. 
I remember playing, I don't think I ever completed it, but I, I remember playing the first level and getting frustrated that I kept dying. I couldn't quite get, oh, you have to wait to certain points and kind of plan out your strategy before you go ahead and run to the exit. It's, it's quite a methodical game. It is. It, it's quite cerebral. You have to kind of think about your movements before you make them. To obviously save the, amount, the most amount of people or get to the end without getting killed. Yeah, um, yeah, as a child I didn't have the patience, but as like, a teenager then into adulthood I did have the patience for it. Mm-hmm. So good, good times. Um, so I mainly watched other people complete it as a kid. I don't think actually my brothers and sisters did complete it. I think it's only me who's done it. I, like I said, I, I started it, but I don't think I ever completed it. I think I got bored of it because I kept I get, know get pain. Of it. You do not know pain if you haven't completed Oddworld, Odyssey, <laughs> and Exodus. Um, to give you an idea of it, every screen in Ace Exodus makes me sigh because I know how difficult it's going to be. I remember it tells you like how many employees are still alive, who, how many people you've killed, and there's another thing as well. I can't remember the other thing is. There's something else on there that tells you like how well you're doing at certain points. Yes, kind of. I actually have a guidebook for the first game. I'm sure I picked up an a uh, one of those pre-owned computer shops for. Um, I think it was like 50p. Yeah. Sorry for you cut out for a moment. Um, I'm actually surprised. I think the, the person selling it to me didn't know that it was worth a bit more than that because it's um. Some guidebooks are actually surprisingly hard to get now. Yeah, some guides are like because they're out of print, so therefore the money and the price would go up because they're fast as rarer. Yeah, um, I wish I picked up the other guides. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I know we have Game Facts, and I admittedly I'm one of those people who still uses Game Facts because um, I don't, I've been using it since I was ten. <laughs> if it works, don't fix it. Yeah, I'm not changing now. <laughs> yo yo. Ghost, like, have you got an opinion on this? Does your dog have an opinion? Ghost's opinion is, please pet me. And if you're not petting me, play with me. Do you want to wait until I'm finished? We'll go, we'll go lie down, yeah? You look at me like, what, father? Uh, Onyx could not care less I'm recording. She is just in her little teepee. She's like, I'm chilling in my little home. No one come near me. I'm chilling. <laughs> yeah, I'm in my hut, in my little tent. Uh, do what you want, mum. Just the one you are due to put plushies on your head at five in the morning again. <laughs> Is that how she gets you up in the morning? She jumps on your head. Oh, she goes on my shelf and knocks the plushies on my head. <laughs> Normally, will... she wants food. I will be in bed and I'll just hear it in the corner at four a.m. in the morning. Mm. Mm. That'll be a ghost cue for. I need to go out for a wee. He'll just whine at the bottom of my bed. I'm like. Okay, fine, I'll get take you out. <laughs> yeah, and you have to. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Oh, fine, I'll give you food. <laughs> oh, why do you have to have the zoomies at three in the morning? Ash, uh, not Ash, Ghost will, on time, get me up at four, and then get me up at seven, because he wants to go out. They like schedules. I don't mind it, but Ash doesn't get up for him at all. He's like, no, I'm going to stick through it. It's fine, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, anyway, where were we? Yeah, uh, sorry. <laughs> Pets. Welcome to the Small Button Pet Podcast. Hi. <laughs> well, if we talk I'm about a dog our... dad, and Hannah is a uh, cat mum. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> no, anyway. Um... I wish this was a visual thing, so I could just throw a picture of Ghost on screen. <laughs> <laughs> and a picture of Onyx. Yeah, to be fair, I think we're um, ready to sort of conclude the first episode anyway. Um, I think it's been good so far. I think it has been good so far, and I think I'll conclude on my end of why I wanted to name this episode um, Press Start to Begin. Yeah, like, we've pressed start, we've begun, and let's keep this train a-rolling. 
I and think that so. made me sound really cheesy. <laughs> and I wanted to name it that because um, when you play Crash Bandicoot, I think it was introduced in Crash Bandicoot 2. Yeah. When the game first starts off, you know, it does the Crash Bandicoot 2, and then after a while it's press start to begin. I've kind of named it after just um, instru- being instructed by the game. The very first thing you see normally when you open a game up is press start to begin. Unless you're Sonic 1 and you have a uh, bug that prevents the word press start from appearing. Does it? Yep, that's a, it's a fun fact. Um, Sonic 1 has a bug when you first boot, uh, you know, very start of the game. Uh, the word press start won't actually show because um, it's still got the... It's had something else loaded in memory which prevents it from loading that in, if that makes sense. I didn't know that. That's completely new to me. <laughs> I know lots of really random facts, which I'm sure I'm going to be introducing to people over the course of these podcast episodes. I have a random fact about uh, Sonic uh, 1, which I'm pretty sure most people already know about, which is that the opening call of SEGA took up 8 megabytes of data on the uh, game disc, which is a good portion of the actual total game disc file. Yes, although uh, you mean cartridge. (laughs) A disc would have been very impressive for a cartridge-based system. Yes, it would. <laughs> yes. I think that's actually what most of the cartridge is, is just the word Sega. It was worth it. Yeah. And now everybody at home, all they're going to be hearing in their head is Sega over and over and over again. Yeah, so none of that random sort of factoid, eh? That brings press start to begin to a close. We're going to press select to exit game. <laughs> Make sure the save beforehand. That is lost in yeah. the game. Let's save, let's quit out. <laughs> and hopefully you'll join us again. Yeah, uh, I've been Finn. I've been Hannah. And this, this is... was the Small Button Podcast. With Hannah and Finn. Until next time. Bye, everyone. See you later. <laughs>